If you stand for nothing, then what will you fall for? Hustle over entitlement. Telling the stories of trailblazers and risk takers. With your hosts, Camille Stewart and Gabriella Ziccarelli. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Hustle Over Entitlement. I am honored to introduce one of my closest friends and one of the most amazing people I know, Carly Prentice Jones. She is a cultural activist, performing artist, and arts advocate. And if that wasn't enough, she is the Director of Communications and Development for a local arts nonprofit. Welcome to the show, Carly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are so excited to jump into your story. You know, when we were thinking about what a hustler is and what kinds of qualities a hustler embodies, one thing that kept coming up was the concept of authenticity. And a lot of times, people who have that hustle and that grind, they have a lot of varied interests. And they tend to think, well, I want to do all of this at once. And they're able to find this phenomenal harmony of bringing together all their interests to the work they do, to the volunteering they do. And it is their most authentic self that they share with the world. And so when we were trying to think of who to bring on the show, Carly was a natural choice. <laughs> From well, the I'm moment, glad. <laughs> yeah, yes. From the moment I met Carly, she has adeptly balanced um, so many different things, whether it's her two cultures of origin. She is a woman who is both black and white, or it was balancing the arts with our sorority life or with her schoolwork or with her political passions. Um, she has done that with a grace and a fortitude that that is unmatched. And I've seen her not only continue to embrace that, but grow to, to be able to do that in a professional capacity. Because it's one thing to do it on campus. It's another thing to do that in your day-to-day -day life and to own that and live in your truth in ways that people can't question in any of the spaces that you find yourself in. And so I am really excited to talk to Carly and to, to dive more into what do you do. So not your LinkedIn, what do you do? Not the headline that I read earlier, but what do you do, Carly? <laughs> Uh, well, um, I do a number of things. I wear many hats. Um, as you all uh, were talking about earlier, I, I uh, would consider myself um, a Renaissance woman, I guess. Um, I, yes. <laughs> yes. So I, um, I am a uh, cultural activist, what I call a cultural activist, um, wh where I do a lot of activism work, a lot of uh, community work around social justice issues. And I in particularly love to do that type of work when it involves artistic expression, uh, because I'm also a performing artist. So I am an opera singer. I majored in opera. Uh, I also do, um, I perform musical theater and plays. Um, and so I really love when I can combine the two uh, to make a difference. I feel like the arts is a true way to, uh, uh, is, a, is a great tool to express oneself and really transcends differences. And what we're really missing these days is, is a way to transcend differences. So uh, cultural activist, a performing artist, and uh, I'm also an arts advocate. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about the arts. And uh, I, believe strongly in arts education 
Um, and so, yes, during the day, I work for a local arts nonprofit. Um, I plan cultural and arts citywide events um, and work in the arts sector here in Raleigh, North Carolina uh, as well. So, yeah, I do a number of things. <laughs> So let's start at the beginning. When I met okay. you in college, you were an opera singer and you were in musical theater and you were devoting yourself to your life's passion. Talk about that part of your career, but then how that evolved into um, working in arts nonprofit. Okay, yeah. So um, when I was in college, I, yes, I majored in opera and I did, I did a lot of musical theater as well. Um, and I also had a minor in arts administration um, because my dad was like, okay, you need to make sure you have something else to pay the bills. So um, that's what I did. <laughs> and so when I got out of college, I started working for arts organizations, um, grant writing, uh, communications, uh, development, uh, th those sorts of jobs uh, in the nonprofit world. And uh, it kind of went hand in hand with my performing. Um, I never thought I'd be able to move to Raleigh, North Carolina and have a performance career. Um, <laughs> that's my home. <laughs> I thought I'd have to go, you know, to New York um, or LA or someplace or Chicago. Uh, but I've been performing pretty steadily here in Raleigh and uh, the city is growing uh, exponentially. Camille knows I'm a huge fan of Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm always talking about it. I rep my city hard. So uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed being able to be a part of that growth. And, um, and I really enjoyed being able to perform here, as well as be involved in activism work here. So I found as I continue to perform, um, that the same skills that I've acquired from expressing myself in the boldest way you possibly could is, which is on stage. Um, I have found that those skills translate to uh, activism work as well. Uh, being able to get a, a crowd revved up, being able to uh, connect with people, different kinds of people in the arts world. We're surrounded by all kinds of people. It's very diverse out uh, the LGBTQ community, um, different ethnicities, and then also becoming those roles on stage, you have to be able to empathize and relate and you have to be able to really put yourself in someone else's shoes to give a true and authentic performance. So I, I think that all of those skills um, actually really help in um, the real world, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's what I've used um, to do my social justice work and my activism work and in my career. So one of the things you touched on that I think is really important is that despite the normal path to be successful in the arts, moving to a New York or a Chicago, you have found a way to carve out a niche and really, you know, be famous in your circle, right? Like people <laughs> who know arts in Raleigh, they yeah. know Carly Jones. And um, that same skill, just as you were talking about these things being transferable, has helped you to kind of play in both spaces, right? To be um, 
to integrate the African-American culture and the, the music, the black music that you studied in school and mm -hmm. that love for your history into the activism work you're doing, but also into the arts work you're doing and kind of balancing all of those things and pulling them together in a way that was authentic to you. And so let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about authenticity and maintaining that in the face of, you know, seemingly competing professions or at least divergent professions and how you mm -hmm. maintain a balance there? Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I think in our culture right now, um, especially with our generation, I think there's a danger in what I've been, the rhetoric that I've been hearing a lot, which is, you know, you shouldn't talk about politics on social media. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be so vocal about social justice issues because you could get in trouble at work. You could, you know, not get that next job. It could affect your networking. And I think that probably does affect some people, but I think that there are also ways around that. And I see a danger and teaching others, you know, to, you know, as they say in Hamilton, I, <laughs> to talk less and smile more. I mm -hmm. think that um, there is a real danger in that, um, especially during such a critical time in our political and social climate here in this country. So the very first thing that I did um, after the election in November, that was kind of, um, I naturally just uh, was drawn to the women's movement. And um, actually, I with from my event planning work and from being seen on stage, I was kind of thrown into it. It was actually, it was, it was uh, not really purposeful. It just felt natural um, to lend a hand in that way. And I helped plan the women's march um, on Raleigh. And uh, so it was interesting. We uh, had all sorts of different kinds of people working on that together. It was truly gr grassroots. Um, but before I got started, I did talk to my executive director at my nonprofit. And I asked, you know, is this okay that I do this? And luckily, she said, yes, that's great. I think it's great that you're doing this. Just don't mention our, uh, our name, you know, so that's, I've been very, very careful in all of my activism work because it was very public. It was all over the news. You know, I was interviewed and um, to not mention where I worked during the day. Right. Um, so I think, you know, it's one of those things you can't just assume. You can't just assume, oh, well, I shouldn't be vocal about right. these things that I'm passionate for because there's too much at stake to just assume these things for you to stay silent mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. complacent. Yes. And so you should ask, ask your boss, ask your director, hey, you know, I feel really passionate about these things. Right. Would it be okay for me to be involved in this level? And sometimes they may say no, but if they say no, I challenge people. Right. I always challenge people. There's always a way to be involved in some other way. You know, I, you can make calls. You can, uh, you can help plan the event from sure. behind the scenes. You can spread the word. You can exactly. Get you can rally in ways that you know everyone can help in a different way. And I'm glad you raised this point because social activism. So that was a word that you had used earlier. We all mm -hmm. have a calling, and especially in your role on, on the stage you're a storyteller also. And so part of being socially active is we're now writing our own story, right, of history. And mm -hmm. what I'm hearing from you is that 
it sounds like you have this this heart for social justice and transcending differences and really making a difference for those around you. And so I'd love to dive into that a little deeper because a lot of our listeners, you know, they have these desires like you do and that you're actively putting to use with wanting to help people and organize. How did you find that inner calling for social activism? Was it from your childhood or tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah. Um, so I was raised by two public servants. Uh, my mom was a hardworking public school teacher, and my father was a superior court judge here in North Carolina, and uh, also a politician. He was a, um, a county commissioner for a little bit. So I was raised, um, you know, being told that success is what you give back to your community. Success is is how you help the world around you, and so. Um, I think I've had that from a very early age, wanting to help, wanting to build my community. Um, and I, uh, I even dabbled with the thought of maybe going into politics for a little bit. Um, when I was still younger, can. I was the, yeah, it's okay. It's still can. Yeah, I know. Well, well, <laughs> so I, uh, I did dabble with that, you know, because I was like class president in, in high school and yeah. all of that. Um, but I have found, at least right now, I feel like I have more freedom when I'm not in office right now. I, I think there are a lot of rules and regulations and a system that you have to work within when you're in office. I've seen that from uh, the, the back end. Um, not to say I should, I strongly encourage anyone who wants to run for office to run for office, but right now for me, um, I, I love the freedom of being able to express in this artistic way. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you bring that up. And this is something that we haven't yet discussed with some of our, our guests is how important our roots are in also dictating what our interests become, what we've been exposed to and what makes the authentic us. Right. And so you were talking mm -hmm. a lot about your parents and their influence and I can completely relate. I come from, you know, parents who were immigrants. Um, most of the folks in my family were entrepreneurs. And I just had this aha moment later on in life when I realized, wow, I really love working with entrepreneurs in, in a tech space. <laughs> and it's because I understand that struggle and I understood it from a personal perspective. And likely it sounds like you had similar with, you know, having parents who are public servants, understanding the importance of speaking up, of giving back, of voting. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful that you're taking what you've learned and you're sharing it with your community. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, I, I uh, definitely think those, that was instilled in me from my parents. And, and Camille also mentioned earlier um, that I do come from a, a biracial background. And um, I do think that has also shaped me in a way that's different um, from some others. Um, coming from a two-parent household where you have two different cultures within the same household, in the South, yeah. uh, there was no place for my family um, in the 80s. Um, and I had to learn from a very early age how to navigate that. I, ha I was born, um, ha you know, in this, into this situation where I did learn very quickly how to uh, speak and be with different kinds of people, black church, white church, um, you know, Black Christmas, White Christmas, um, all of these cultural things that other people have to learn about as they uh, grow up, I already had. And um, I think that that honestly has helped me 
um, throughout the years, be able to relate to other types of people and to collaborate with different kinds of people in a very um, natural way. And um, I'm not saying that's all biracial people because we're all different and we all come from different um, family structures as well. But um, I do think that that helped a lot. And I think especially right now with the racial tension that's out there, Mm -hmm. um, especially working with the women's movement, it's been very interesting, um, you know, discussing intersectionality and, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and how, and feminism and what that looks like for black women and what that looks like for white women and how do we work together. Um, I have found a very special niche for my perspective in that. And I think that's really important to highlight, right? Like the diversity of voices that find that are in any and every movement, for mm-hmm. that matter, um, add something different. And because you've got the the benefit of two perspectives, and then this unique, you know, combination of a perspective, um, it really helps with bridging the gap. And I've seen that happen in the work that you're doing. And we'll post some links to some of your interviews and things, but you really have helped facilitate a dialogue that transcends race because you kind of help to distill the, the talking points, distill the conversation in a way that both sides understand and, and are able to digest and not be guarded around. Mm-hmm. So as you continue to navigate, I know this is something that you have been able to do, and I, and I want to give our audience some advice on how we can help others gain their voice, step into their voice, leverage their background, and, mm-hmm. and amplify the work that we're doing, the work that's going on, the things that are important to them. Yeah, I think, I think that's something that can, that's very beautiful when it happens. When you take your passions and you take your skills and you combine the two, um, that creates a very beautiful and unique uh, situation. Like for example, um, there was a photographer here in North Carolina, Curtis Brown. He was just, you know, he's a amazing photographer. Um, But we had um, in uh, the, in North Carolina, we had a lot of anti LGBTQ laws that were kind of up at bat here at the, at the voting booth in North Carolina. And so he took it upon himself to create an entire campaign and travel across the state taking professional photos of families that would have been affected by these laws, LGBTQ people, families of LGBTQ people um, with these big vote against shirts Mm. on. And it was really powerful. It was a beautiful, beautiful movement and really got the word out about these laws that people needed to vote on. Um, And it was, I I thought, a really great example of someone who's not in politics, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who felt passionately about this, and then went and did something about it. Um, So I, I think that that's an assumption often. You know, I think that politics can be intimidating to people Mm -hmm. and they think oh well I can't really do anything about that but no there are things that you can do that you may already know how to do that would help whatever movement that you're passionate about well an example you gave I love it's artistic and people forget that you can be 
proactive, that you can raise your voice with the skills that you have. And you can yeah. do it. I mean, you can do it from singing to creating shirts to photography. And it really, there is no limit. And I'm so glad that you raised that point. And it's a good transition to, as we start to wrap up some of our final questions, and I'm going to remix a little bit for you because we've been so social justice focused and I love that. So the question <laughs> we ask everyone is, is, do you have any you know, resources that you recommend or that inspire you, whether it be podcasts or you know, articles or magazines you read? But I'd also like to throw to you, if you have, in addition to an inspiring one, maybe one on activism. If there's someone listening who's still feeling frustrated in some way and they really want to raise their voice or organize or do something proactive, no matter what their, their background might be, um, perhaps a resource for them as well. Sure. Um, so as far as activism goes, um, one movement that I think is a great way to get started is the indivisible movement. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you're not already familiar with that, um, there are a bunch of local groups, local chapters, and pretty much like all over the country. Um, and it's called the indivisible movement. It's a progressive movement. And, um, I've seen them as, as small as three people mm -hmm. where they literally have a checklist of easy things that you can do each week, like making calls or uh, writing your legislator or, right. um, or whatever it is that's going on. Cause I know it can seem very overwhelming right now because it, and it is it every is. week it there's is. something. Yeah. And there's every week there seems to be something crazy that we have to fight against. And it, I think it's easy to say, you know what, this is too much. I'm just gonna, you know, not deal with this. I can't, I can't deal with this. It's stressful. It's, it gives me anxiety, but I love the indivisible, indivisible movement because it breaks it down into very digestible ways to attainable, help. attainable goals. Absolutely. Yes. Local yes. is important yes. to our listeners. Local change is where it starts. Yeah. I always say, uh, think globally, but act locally because that, yes. that is important. Um, local politics are so important and affect your everyday life. Absolutely. So yeah, that would be my social justice thing. And then, um, I think my, my opening quote is from Hamilton, the musical. Mm -hmm. And, um, I love, I am a Hamilton, the musical geek. <laughs> and, um, even if you're not a musical theater person, you've got to be like living under a rock to not know about this musical. That's right. that's and right. if, you, if you don't, that's okay. It is on Spotify. <laughs> still time. And it is on iTunes. Yes. Um, but, uh, the quote that I said in the beginning is, if you stand for nothing, then what will you fall for? Right. And that's a quote from Alexander Hamilton in this, in this uh, musical when Aaron Burr says, you know, you should just talk less and smile more. Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for. And that's his response. And that's just one example from mm -hmm. that musical of the wisdom. It's very wise. <laughs> that you can very get. Yes. Yes. Relevant. Very timely. Very timely. And you learn about our founding fathers and the constitution and yeah, history and music that. is the best combination. It totally is. I think so. And then I think my last thing that I would definitely recommend for people, especially if you have different interests, I think my whole life, I was always told have a plan and stick to it. You know, both of my parents had kind of blueprint careers with these steps and I had this creative career and all of these passions and we're always taught, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. And I, I think that that is not, that is a very negative way to look at a person with 
many different abilities. I think right. a Renaissance woman or a Renaissance man is definitely the, the way to look at a person with a lot of abilities. And the one thing that really gave me courage and really propped me up, there's this awesome TED Talk by Emily Wozniak, and she's a career coach. I think she's from Canada, but um, it is entitled Why Some of Us Don't Have One True Calling. Mm. And she talks about being what she calls a multi-potentialite. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she talks about how people who are multi-potentialites, meaning you have the potential to be successful in many different avenues, when they put all of those abilities together, that's what creates something unique. That's cre that creates future entrepreneurs and leaders and, right. and um, people, things and movements that you haven't seen before when you put together many different avenues. And right. um, so go listen to that TED Talk. It's, I, I love it. I listen to it. I still listen to it every once in a while just to kind of prop me up and to uh, help me remember that I'm not the only one that has, you know, um, these different passions and it's important to live in your truth and live boldly and passionately in all of your, on all of your passions, I think. Awesome. Oh, um, our <laughs> last question. I've like caught off by all your amazingness. Um, <laughs> what song embodies your journey? And, you know, as a artist, I know this is about to be just amazing. Express yourself however you feel. Go for it. Oh my. Okay. Um, yeah, I think my favorite song has always been Golden by Jill Scott. She's my musical mama. Um, yes. and <laughs> oh my God, that's like one of my favorite songs for yes. Yes, I love that song. It's so positive and it's entitled Golden. But if you listen to the lyrics, it's all about living in your truth and celebrating your freedom, which is everything that I've been talking about today you know, living boldly and out loud and standing for something. And so I think that's probably my favorite song. Um, she sings, um, the lyrics right, girl, are just perfect. I'll sing it you if you want. <laughs> oh, let's see. Give our audience about. a little taste. Oh my, I'm being put on the spot. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm taking my freedom, putting it in my song. Singing loud and strong, grooving all day long. I'm taking my freedom, putting it in my strong. I'll be high-stepping, y'all, letting the joy unfold. I'm living my life like it's golden. That's right. Like it's golden. That's right. Living golden, y'all. Living To end this up on, Carly and I, our freshman year of college, the Alphas put on a pageant. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this song was our, we had to do an intro dance number to it. So not only does it, you know, underpin her journey, but it also underpins our, underpins our freshman year of college. And all that's that, right. You know what? Thank you. Thank you, Carly, for sharing your <laughs> phenomenal Renaissance lady. To our listeners, I hope you have a very musical and inspired day. And thanks for joining us on this week of Hustle Over Entitlement. Thank you. Hustle Over Entitlement. What do you hustle for? Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at iHustleForIt. And visit our website, www.hustleoverentitlement.com.